Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia, and I am so glad you're here. I am a 20-something in my early 20s, and I was going through my fair share of shit show moments, and I'm sure there's more shit show moments to come. So much fun. But it's while I was going through these moments, I was realizing I'm probably not the only 20-something who feels this way. So I decided to start this podcast back in 2020, and it's been incredible. And I love interviewing these inspiring people. And I hope that through these stories, you're able to see yourself in these stories. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you would share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. I put so much time and energy into this podcast and it would mean the world to me. So without further ado, let's get started. Today's guest is Antonio. I loved chatting with him. Antonio T. Smith Jr. had an unexpected beginning when at the age of six, he became homeless and had to figure out how to take care of himself while living in a trash can. The will to live overrode the trash can. He defeated the trash can in his mind and it kept him alive. It propelled him on a journey of mastering business, sales, marketing, leadership, the law of attraction, and the law of one. Antonio is an American tech CEO and millionaire who is on the pace to become a billionaire by 2025 with headquarters on four different continents and is giving and is creating 100,000 millionaires while giving away 1.5 billion by 2025. Antonio is passionate about artificial intelligence and plans to be the first person to create the master algorithm, which he plans to use to create a resource-based economy that will completely eliminate the need for money. In this episode, we go into so many incredible things from his rules of money, how he was able to create this life that was completely different than where he grew up in, how he was able to get out of homelessness the law of attraction, so many different things, what he wished he would have done differently in his journey to build wealth. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Antonio, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Does oh, include any shit show moments you resonate with? That's the Let's whole 20s. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess the most notable thing that I did was I went to jail 13 times in my 20s. I got out the Army 2004, and by 2005, one year, I went to jail 13 times in one calendar year. All No felonies, but just anger. I couldn't adjust. Uh, my ego was as big as my city that I was living in. Just a bunch of just a bunch of stupid stuff that I was doing. And yeah, so we could start there for sure. And most notably, I well, I guess why I went to jail so many times is I was so angry from almost everything. And I didn't know what to do with that anger. I, I was military intelligence in the army. I got out, I was psychological operations. I was a special operations intelligence sergeant. So that's pretty awesome. And then I move and get out the army. And I don't know how to do anything but kill people and play spades. <laughs> oh, and drink beer. I got that part down. Right? I, I got the drink beer part down. And I don't know how to adjust. So we can start there. How, how's that yeah. for ammo for your arsenal? 
Yeah. Wow. So quite the beginning. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. But I, I feel like two places that I really want to go into from there. I guess once let's start off with that anger. Like what was yeah. what was that process like of unveiling that anger, realizing there was so much anger trapped and really moving past that anger? Yeah, fair enough. I, my anger came from so I was homeless from five to fifteen. I got adopted at 15, and then I guess when I joined the Army at 18, I was three years old, right? You know, as far as living with society, I was three years old. And I wasn't like sleep with your aunt homeless. I literally grew up in the streets, homeless, you know, trash can, abandoned churches, et cetera. So I did that as homeless. So by the time I got out the Army, I I was angry for two reasons. Number one, I totally... Let's say three reasons. Number one, I picked the wrong person to marry. I did. I did. Don't judge me. Two, I was totally the wrong person to marry. So I picked the wrong person and I was the wrong person. What a shit show there. That's for sure. (laughs) And then three, I was flying under the potential of myself and I knew it. And no matter how much I wanted people to make me happy, I wanted people to do certain things for me until I felt like I was in my purpose, until I felt like I was doing something for me, there's nobody on planet Earth that could have made me happy or unangry. I was so angry, I wasn't happy unless I was angry. Mm. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Wow. And was there was there a moment for you of like, this can't be my life? Like, I, I don't want this to be my life. Like, I know I could do so much better than this. Was there like a breakdown moment, like catalyst you, for you? you? You know, I, I guess most people would say, yeah, it was not for me. You know, if it, you know, I, I remember I was with a church one time and, and they were like they were talking about sin and everybody. It was, it was we was on a mission trip and then we were going out and they were talking about sin and sin is bad, and everything was great. And I was like, uh, Reverend, I've never sinned and not enjoyed it. You know, right? <laughs> so I was the exact opposite, right? I was the exact opposite. There was never a moment when I was full of the trash that was in my mindset that I regretted it. I regretted all the consequences, but I never regretted the actions because all you can see is your present, right? You only see what you're doing and your life is only what you're doing. Therefore, I only cared about what I was doing. Now, when I got caught, when I had to deal with some reward I didn't want to have, when you get it like, you know, I I never had a problem with what I was doing. I had a problem with being judged because I did it, you know, or going through consequences because I did it. I think that's the truth for most people. Now, we may not admit it. Everyone isn't as transparent as I'm being right now, and I respect that. But I've never did anything on planet Earth that I did not enjoy while I was doing it. After the fact, yeah, I probably did enjoy that. But while I was doing it, I absolutely enjoyed it. Mm. And I have to ask because I'm curious. Um, <laughs> when, you went ma- when you got married to the wrong person, did you know in that moment that you were person. marrying the wrong person? Like, did it come was- up before? Or- Sophia, I was at the altar saying, God, please jump in this. Please, would you just, would you mind, please? Like, I knew it. I absolutely, I absolutely knew it. But the sex was great, right? What was I supposed to do? You know, she was, you know, she, the, the, the sex was absolutely amazing. And, you know, we date to live our self-esteem. So, of course, you know, we date to live our self-esteem. The sex was amazing. 
I didn't know what I was doing. And I'd rather be with someone versus being alone because I wasn't mature enough to handle myself. So I needed to hide in someone so I cannot deal with myself. And I'd love for yeah. you to go deeper until we date to the level of our self-esteem, what you mean Fair by enough. that. <laughs> Fair enough. Whatever you think you are is who we pick, right? We pick what we think we are. In my case, since I grew up without a mother, I picked a teenage mother. Now, of course, nothing wrong with being a teenage mother. I just picked the most toxic teenage mother possible, right? Here's the deal. We're like super great friends today. We're super great friends today. However, we both know that we were toxic for one another. Like we know this for sure. We absolutely know this. Like she was the wrong person and I was the wrong person, you know? And, and I and I brought out all of her negativity. You, you understand what I'm saying? I brought all the negativity. So everything that I hated in myself, I picked. When I missed a mother, I picked a mother. When I didn't have structure, I picked someone who would abuse me to put too much structure on me. And it's just, yeah, just that, that crazy thing going on there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did the healing look like after that relationship of like, I'm not going to do that to myself again. Like, I'm really going to heal and become whole before my next yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said after that relationship, because there was no healing in that relationship whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely zero healing. She said something to me that I would never forget. She said to me, one day after we're not together no more, she said, well, you know what? You forced me to be the man and the woman of the relationship. And I had to sit back with that because she was spitting all facts. I did. And I didn't like hearing it. She had me messed up when she said it, but it doesn't stop the fact that I was a loser that she was dating. (laughs) I was an absolute loser and she was dating. And I thought about that. I thought about that you know, like she cheated on me, which she should. I totally support her cheating on me. I deserve to be cheated on. Let me just say to your audience, don't be such a victim. I was literally deserved to be cheated on. Why? Because I forced her to cry on another man's shoulders because I couldn't be a man myself. And what else was she supposed to do? She, she couldn't get anything but sex for me. So she had no choice, right? Life is not about sex. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not. So the healing process came for me with admitting how much of a loser I was. And here's the deal. You can't control anything that you have not accounted for. If you account for it, you can control it. And until I accounted for, I was not a good person. I was not a good man. I was not good for this woman. I was not stable for, I was not a protector. I was not a provider. There was no way that I can change those I am not to I am. And I feel like that's such a good point about accounting for our lives, like accounting for the parts that we don't like. And I'm curious because I feel like there has to be courage before you account for those parts because sometimes we kind of want to shove it or we don't want (laughs) to look at it. We want to say like, maybe I don't have to account for that. So I'm curious, like, what what was the courage of, like, I'm actually going to take accounting of all these things in my life? Fair enough. Luckily, you know what? For me, the courage came easy because I was homeless. So by the time I was five, I was forced to be courageous. It didn't look like courage then. It looked like survival. And I'm here to tell everybody listening, 
because you have a large audience. I was checking out, I think I listened to like 12 of your episodes. I, I listened to 12 of your episodes. It was, it was awesome. It, it was awesome. I'm here to tell everybody your courage probably looks like survival. The, the fact that you know how to eat noodles and put hot sauce in them and whatever it is that you do. Right? I have no idea what you do to your noodles. You chop up hot dogs. I don't know what you do to them, but whatever you do to your noodles, that's actually courage. You have the you have courageousness. You have the courage to take some processed food and make it taste well. For me, when I tapped into the fact I knew I was built for this, it was easy for me to run that. Easy, easy. Courage is, I don't know, we give too much credit to courageous people. Courageous people are not courageous at all. They are people who do not quit, period. No matter how much the odds are against them, they do not quit. No matter how much they're publicly embarrassed, they do not quit. No matter how much the credit score is going to drop 100 points, they do not quit. That's courage. It's not, you know, it's not the fear. I mean, the absence of fear. It is the, I can take a massive amount of pain. Fuck this shit show. I will do it until it's no longer a shit show, for lack of a better, you know, <laughs> phrase there. I love it. And what do you, what's the biggest lesson you got from being homeless? Grown-ups suck. That's <laughs> the biggest lesson I learned. <laughs> I don't understand. Grown upset. So when I, so the idea that everything would be okay when you get grown, I never had that fallacy, and I never, I never thought that I could depend on people to get to where I need to get. Now I have a large team today. I got two hundred and I don't know seventy five employees. So I have an incredibly large team, but I trust people 100%. I love people. I'm, I hope you all do well. I also know that all of us suck. And I think that's the greatest thing I could have ever got from my homelessness. We all suck. I suck. You suck. And there are no good people. Equally, there are no bad people. And I know that's hard to accept, but it's a lot easier to get along with people when you think whatever wrong with them is also wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering like, what did the journey look like from homelessness to coming out of homelessness to running a company with 275 people? I was like, that's a lot. How did that all happen? So, well, you know what? I did a, I did a dark magic spell. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, 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 so I tested really high on my ASVAB. I made a 78 on my ASVAB to get into the United States army. And I didn't even know military intelligence existed, but apparently I was super smart. They threw me in military intelligence and I learned how to do psychological operations, how to be special operations. And when I got out, it took an adjustment period because all I know how to do was, like I said, kill people's play spades, that I had to figure out well, what does psychological operations actually mean? And it's basically marketing, right? Propaganda is marketing. Marketing is propaganda. So I figured, okay, well, I know how to control a million plus people with a message. All right. How does that work out here in the real world? And the connection was obvious to me. All right. Let's make a lot of people a lot of money and let's control a million people to other people with brands. And that's how I started. I started making people famous. And in 2012, I got I got fortunate and I start Joel. I start Joel Osteen. I start 
interning with Joel Osteen is what I was trying to say here. I started interning with Joel Osteen. Someone makes that a, a popular verb so we can make, make, that go, make that go viral or something. I start interning with Joel Osteen, and now I go from like reaching 100 people to 40,000 in one weekend, and I stayed with him for two years, and then I went to other famous people, and all of a sudden, now I'm the guy behind the scenes that makes these famous people more famous. And they would share me amongst their network. And then I became the brand myself. And then I came from behind the scenes to in front of the scenes. And I'm almost a billionaire today, right? So it's, 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 you know, it, it was one hell of a journey. So thank God for being homeless. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, did you ever have like moments where you felt like, who am I to be in like the room with all these famous people? Like, this is my past. This is where I came from. Did any of those insecurities come up for you right away? Or did you feel like you were meant to be in that room? No, I never felt like I was meant to be in that room. I suffer with that today. My imposter syndrome is so high. So I have a bachelor's on my wall. I have a master's on my wall. I have been voted by the world top 101 global developmental and leadership minds. I have a bank account that I have a few bank. I got 27 bank accounts that have way too much money in them. I homeschool my kids for eight, nine years now. I have, I speak six languages. I own, I don't know how many couple I own. I have over a hundred streams of income and I still think I'm a fraud. And think about that for a moment, right? Like the, 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 the idea, and I, I don't mean that, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I'm trying to say, once you suffer with imposter syndrome, you always will. You know, and hopefully some of you can get out of it. But for the most of us, it is the thorn in my side that keeps me humble. It's also the thorn in my side that keeps me massively aggressive towards my goal. Because I always have this internal feeling to prove myself to myself that it always makes me successful, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to compete with anybody else, but I'm always trying to prove myself I belong here. I belong here. And that drive makes me push faster than anybody else and work harder and take more crap than anybody else too without complaint. Yeah, I haven't talked to a successful person yet that doesn't have that thorn in their side of like, <laughs> like I'm waiting to see like which one does it, but I haven't heard it yet. No, you're never going to hear. As far as I can say, we all suffer from the same thing for sure. <laughs> wow. And do you ever like feel like you have to balance the two from like realizing like how much you already have versus like the thorn of like, I don't feel like I feel like I have to do more. Do you ever feel like you have to balance those two extremes? Well, I, I used to when I was not wealthy. So I used to. But that's just a fallacy. Balance is a middle-class concept that's never going to be achieved. There's a famous black female director. Don't forget her name right now. Shonda Rhimes. Um, I can't believe I was about to forget her name. She does, you know, Scandal and all the shows on ABC. I was just, I was totally about to forget a whole black hero. I'm a black man. Shame on me, right? Then a black woman hero in a reversal of Roe versus Wade. So I was really about to mess up right there for sure. But yes, so you have Shadow Rives here. And she has this, she did the commencement speech at some college. I don't even remember. But she said, how do you do it? People ask her all the time. And she said, I'm going to be as transparent with you right now. If you see me excelling 
in an area of my life, I'm 100% failing in another area. So if you see me with a number one show on ABC, I'm not at my daughter's recital. Truer words had never been spoken. There's no balance. I serve 275 people on a daily basis to the best of my ability. They love me to death. At least that's what the story I'm going to tell you all. Don't investigate. They may hate me. I have no idea. I may be Hitler. I don't know. And it means all day I'm not with my three children. It means I'm not listening about the the latest anime series that the middle child is watching. I'm not watching That So Lele, which is a new show that my youngest daughter, my youngest child is watching, and she has watched every episode every day, and I'm supposed to know them by heart, and I'm not doing that. And then my oldest acts just like me, and he loves puzzles, and he's quiet, and I'm not helping him not be quiet on a consistent basis. So every time I excel and people go, oh my gosh, you did such a great job, I'm also deselling with the things that matter as an adult, as a parent, as spirituality, et cetera. So if I'm doing good in my spiritual practices, I'm doing terrible at work. If I'm doing great at work, I'm doing terrible at my spiritual practices. If I'm excelling at both, well, my kids have obviously not seen me all month. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. You'll never have balance. Balance is for unsuccessful, well, Success is subjective, but balance is for people who are not in the top 1%. If you're going to get in the top 1%, have balance. How have I adjusted that? My kids do everything with me now. I got to learn Mandarin. They learn Mandarin. I got to learn Hebrew. They're learning Hebrew. I got to learn Python. They're learning Python. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I figured they would hate me for learning all this stuff and then figure out what they're going to do in their 20s before I just not be there with no balance at all. Mm -hmm. Mm. And what's something like with working with celebrities, what's something you think we get wrong about them from the outside in terms of like, what do you think we, something we think about them that's wrong? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, so I'm like a C-list celebrity, you know, everybody knows me business wise, you know, I'm like two, 200,000 dollars away from being B-list. And I guess I would have to like, I don't know, kiss Denzel in the mouth or something to be an A-list celebrity. I don't know. Who knows, right? Whatever. I don't know what it takes. But this is what I tell you for sure. People use celebrities as an excuse not to be great themselves. I cannot tell you how many times people use me as an excuse not to. She went, Antonio, I mean, you're, you've, you're, you're perfect, lies. Or Antonio, you were homeless. I can't do what you're doing because I, w- I can't be homeless for 15 years. I have kids. Lies. Of course, I'm not telling you to be homeless. I'm telling you there's an adaption. My homelessness made me successful not because it was homelessness. It was I was so hungry that I had to learn how to sell myself to a full meal. And the number one income job in the world is sales. So it makes sense when you think about it critically. But we use celebrities as an excuse not to be perfect. Let me say this. There's no divine sperm making celebrities. Right? You know what I'm saying? It's no, listen, Beyonce earned that. She works hard. And Brad Pitt works hard. Did they hit the genetic lottery? Sure they did. But it's a lot of attractive, super attractive Instagram models, male or female, on right now, Instagram right now, hit the genetic lottery that would never achieve the success of Brad Pitt. 
Don't use anybody else as an excuse for you not to be the highest expression of yourself. We're all insecure. We're all seeking validation. After this podcast, I'm going to ask Sophia off mic. Did I do okay? Right? We're all seeking validation. <laughs> don't, don't make this hard. If you're less than 50, you still got time. Relax. Listen to this podcast. You'll be just fine. <laughs> and do you think that we realize that we're using them as an excuse to not be as great as we can? Do you no, think we're conscious of that? So. Or? I, I don't think. Well, even if we're conscious of it, I don't. I think we're making excuses for it. I, we're one of the rare people. I don't want to say rare, but I'm, I'm definitely in a minority. I think everybody's good. All you suck. I suck too. But as far as the nature of people, I think you're good. And I think if you knew that you were sabotaging yourself, you wouldn't do it. I just think that. I'm naive in this manner. And, but I'd rather error on being naive about how awesome and amazing people are. I'd rather, yes, there's racism. I would also rather be naive and think that young folk are really getting tired of that, you know, racism thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just rather believe that. And I just believe that if you knew you were screwing yourself over in your 20s, you wouldn't do it. I just believe that. Mm. In terms of like your money mindset and when you first started making money, did you spend it all or what did you do in terms of your money mindset when you first started well, to make money? So let me be too real on your podcast. First off, if y'all y'all probably can't see me, I'm a black man with dreads. <clears throat> and and they, right now the dreads, they hang on to the back of my neck. I'm never going to cut them again. I'm going to just walk around with like a train of hair dusting in the sand. And I'm going to step on my hair and fall or something like that. Right? I'm never going to do it again. So to, to, to say, hey, young black man, did you like spend all your money? Of course I did. That is, what are you talking about? <laughs> just, there's no financial intelligence in the black community just spreading around. No, no, of course I did. Of course I blew all my money. And I'm not saying that the black community is not doing well things with money because they are, but I am most certainly saying that there is no way that someone who had nothing and got something, didn't blow it. No, get, get out of here. No, no. The only person who ever did that is LeBron James. He's the only person to do it. Everybody else has to suffer from this stuff. Of course I blew it. And of course I didn't do the right thing. But I didn't blow it maliciously. And I didn't do the right thing ignorantly. Well, I did it ignorantly. But I didn't do, the right thing, didn't do the right thing maliciously. I did the right thing by trying to take people with me who wasn't supposed to be with me. And that's the biggest way we waste our money. We try to take people on the mountain when the gravity can only carry our own bone structure. So the mountain has rough edges and we don't like that. We're like, I want smooth mountains, but you would never be able to grab hold of the mountain if it was smooth. So you need the rough edges so you can grab hold. But then the black community wants to bring all Everybody. And this is why this is a big issue with the, the race wealth gap is because when someone that doesn't look like me graduate college, all right, they just go and they spend their money. But me, I'm responsible for my grandmother. I'm responsible for my granddad. I'm responsible for my aunt. And I'm responsible for all my cousins. And I promised them we would all make it. So now my $100,000 a year turns into $13,000 a year after taxes and all the money I had to give out and taking care of people. I wasted a lot of money trying to pay people to love me the way I love them. And I can't give it to you more real than that. And sometimes, 
And the money is oxygen. And you're not going to like hold your breath and say, I want you to love me. I'm not going to breathe until you love me. Well, probably shouldn't do the same thing about giving away all your money. Your money is better spent creating income producing assets that then can help people who want to help themselves. All of the money you can donate to charities to people who are not ready to help themselves, but who want to one day. But of course, I wasted money. I wasted money just from the strength of being black and from the hood. Then I wasted money from wanting to be a people pleaser. Then I wasted money because I said, I'm for the ball out of control. It's all about me. Then I wasted money because I didn't have a mentor. I wasted money every step of the way until I got out of my own ego, slowed down, and learned the rules of life and the rules of money and had a target to I wanted to change the world. And when you want to change the world, you don't really blow your money. And what are your rules of money? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Great question. I've never been asked that before, ever. <laughs> get a lot of it. That's number one. Then get more of it, number two. And then don't lose it, number three. Those are my rules for money. But they should be filtered through the motive. So what's my, so what's my rules of money? So what's my motive of money? My motive of money should be abundance should be shared. If I have an orange tree, and I eat all the oranges, I'm going to die of orange toxicity. That's a real thing. If I have an orange tree and I eat all the oranges that I can eat and I don't share them, the orange tree is going to wither and fade away. First law of thermodynamics, second law of thermodynamics, and third law of thermodynamics are all going to attack that that orange tree. So I can't eat my own and not share it. If I have an orange tree and I create laws around the orange tree where I don't want immigrants to come get the fruit of the labor. So if you don't look like me, I call you an immigrant. Now what I'm doing is I'm eating the orange, but then I'm holding off people from getting into the prosperity of the orange. Not only am I killing the orange tree, I'm also creating the circumstances of war and poverty that's going to make people want to kill me. So the only thing that you can possibly do to abundance is share it. So everything I said about money, get money, multiply that money, don't lose it, should be through the lens of, but don't forget when God gives you something great or whatever you believe in, your job is not to protect it. Your job is to share it. Mm. And what's something you did in terms of like realizing this, like realizing I'm the creator of money. I can manifest more money. I can create these multiple income streams. What did you start to do at the beginning? Cause I'm sure like at the beginning you thought like, well, this is just my situation. Like this is just my financial situation. So how did you start to claw out of that and realize that you're able to do this? Yeah, Les Brown has a, say, a saying about that that really captures what you're talking about. He says, making a million dollars was easy. Believing I deserved to make a million dollars was the hardest fight of my life. I agree. That answers your question. What I had to do was change my self-beliefs to, and, and, and this is for everybody, I was so stuck in poverty. I was so stuck in people pleasing and all that stuff. Every time I got blessed, I felt bad for it. I always felt being blessed was taking from other people. I felt that if I charged you full price, I was robbing you of your income. No, learn how to be blessed without feeling bad for being blessed because you can never be sick enough to help sick people. And you can never be poor enough to help poor people. Somebody has to have money. Somebody 
has to reach back and help people and grab people. And you can't do that when you're on dialysis too. And anybody who disagrees with what I just said, you got diabetes, right? Or you can't afford to get on a plane ticket to come argue with me or anything like that. And it doesn't make sense to hate someone when you can't even afford to get in face to face and hate them. People deserve good things. And there's a lot of women out here right now that with the reversal of Roe versus Wade, don't mean to mess up your podcast, that are going to do some great things for women. And only the women with who have the good hearts, who get a good amount of money, are going to actually make an impact. Without that, you can't make an impact. Good heart is not enough. You need good heart and good money. Hmm. What was that process like believing that you were worthy of it? Like, how did you get to that place of feeling worthy of it? I have no idea. (laughs) I I, I thought about three answers real quick. And then simultaneously, I said, that's bullshit. That's not, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's something that people want to hear, but that's a lie. No, I have no idea. I can tell you that I don't know the method for this answer, but I can tell you the heart of this answer, it's character. So if you're looking for me to give you a step-by-step guide to answer, I, the question, I got no idea. I have no idea what you're going to do next. I, I really don't. I, I, if I did, I would be a hundred billionaire right now. I would sell the hell out of that book. I really would. I, I would. I would sell that book so well. But I can tell you character will get you blessed. It will keep you where your talent deserves to be. It will make people like you. It will make people promote you. It will make people buy from you. If you don't have a good character, people will genuinely stop messing with you. Now, if you're going to have a terrible character, at least have the good character to be consistent in being terrible. The crazy thing is that it is an equal amount of people who hate Barack Obama as there is an equal amount of people who hate Donald Trump. It's both sides. It doesn't matter what you believe in. As long as you're consistent in being Donald Trump, or consistent in being Barack Obama, you will be liked. Just be consistent, have character, you will be successful. That I can tell you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Book would sell off the shelf. <laughs> oh, it would sell. <laughs> I would like sell. That, that book would be like a best time you know, seller. Because yeah. I feel like that's one of the problems we get into with money is feeling like we're not worthy of it. So then yeah. we push money away. We don't accept it. We don't want yeah. it. Yeah. I would sell that book. My first client would be the whole Catholic church. My second client would be the Muslim church. I mean, the Muslim mosque. So now we got, what, 70, 67% of the whole world. And, right, so I would already be the best-selling book of all time. I would sell the hell out of that book for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And going into that, going back to like advertising and realizing like how you're able to create this message that could really resonate with a million people what do you think it was about your message that could really do that? What do you think was different about your message that could really? Yeah, fair enough. There was nothing different about my message until I start. When I became a millionaire, I had a I had a spiritual crisis. So here, my message today is five is fivefold, and they they're number one. I want to create a hundred thousand millionaires. Number two, I want to take people who cannot sell 
and make them top 1% in their countries. Number three, I want to end the full student loan debt crisis. I don't want anyone with student loans. I think that's trash. The government is just wrong for that. It's stupid. Number four, I want to end world hunger. And I'm already making steps for this. I have a website up and I, 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 we take, I take a percentage of all sales. I donate. I pay off student loans. I've done plenty of that. Number five, which is the most important thing is my life works. I am building a city with all my wealth. So my goal is to get $100 billion, give away 90% of that wealth, build a city. And I'm building a city called Allenbrook. I'm buying it from scratch, building it all through to where money no longer exists. It's called a resource-based economy. And that's my life purpose, to build a resource-based economy to where all people can come to this city and just live the high expression themselves without having to worry about money. Once I did that message, people were like, hell yeah, brother. That's what, exactly what I'm talking about, right? That's what I'm talking about. Now, how did I get to that message? That's a whole different story. That's why I gave you the answer up front. How did I get to that message? This is what happened. I, I, I made six figures. That was easy. I just sold a $200 product 500 times. Six figures. Easy, right? And I did that. That, that was easy. Once I got to a million dollars, which I did by accident, I didn't even know I was a millionaire. My, the CPA told me, I was like, oh, damn, really? Okay, cool. That, that works. I'm going to drink a beer tonight, right? It, it was totally random. I had a spiritual crisis because I was adopted at 15. I never knew about God or nothing like that. And then, then, then my grandmother, who adopted me, raised me in the church. And I'm like, oh, sh oh, crap. I don't have to pray no more. And this caused me an incredible spiritual crisis. Right now, here's my wallet. You can't probably see if you just listen to audio. But this is my wallet. I'll describe to you my wallet. It looks like some zebra print stuff. But real slick side right here, there's this little logo on this wallet that tells anybody who understands this is a $1,000 wallet. And I have inside this wallet a bunch of cards that I will not show on the camera because I'm a hacker. I don't want you to hack me. That I don't have to pray. If I need, oh my God, God, would you please? I want this house so bad. No, I just swipe it on my American Express. It's no problem. I just swipe whatever I want because my resources are now longer than my needs. And that really created a condition in my spiritual life to where I struggled with God for a second. And then it hit me. Bam! What's the problem? The problem is you've been taught wrong about God and prayer the whole life you've been living because you've been praying for you and everything has been about you. And every time you get in trouble, you say, oh, God, please help me this. So please, please. Now, Sophia, today, all my prayers are about other people. All my actions are about other people. All my deeds are about other people. Every question that you've asked me on this podcast has been for the benefit of other people. And that's how I got to those five main goals. Once I got to the point where I can see past my own selfishness, I wanted to end world hunger. I wanted to do the student loan debt crisis. I wanted to have people where there's no poverty. I wanted to make 100,000 millionaires. And I wanted to make people in third world countries, which I hate that term so much, to be top 1% in their countries. It wasn't until I had my spiritual crisis and stopped praying for me all the damn time I can look outside and actually do something else. Mm, yeah, that's such a good point. Because when we're consumed by ourselves, we can't help every anyone else. We can't see anyone else. We can't help anyone else. Right. Yeah. And what do you what do you think is the difference between someone who makes it to the status of being a millionaire and the someone who never makes it to? The status? Oh yeah, I, I, I tell you for sure. This this is always one answer. 
It's discipline. Warren Buffett says you have the brains, you have the talent. Every last one of you have the brains to be a millionaire. Every last one of you have the talent to be a millionaire. There is, everybody has a genius level gift. Every last one of you, there's a market for people with pretty feet. There's a market for people with ugly feet. There's a market for people with a lot of pubic hair on their, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of people with shaved. There's an OnlyFans for people who want to walk on Twinkies. There's an OnlyFans for people selling Twinkies. There is a market for everything on this planet. No matter how weird or how normal it is, there is a market for it. But do you have the discipline to have 167 episodes is what I counted before I jumped on this podcast to do your podcast. Because I can guarantee you the shit show of my 20s has outlasted many people. It's it's top rank, not just because of Sophia's talent. It's top rank because you losers quit and she did not. So discipline has everything to do with if you're going to be six figures to seven, five figures to seven. If you quit, she going to get it and you're not because you were a loser and you quit. Discipline is the answer. It will always be the answer. It's never going to stop being the answer. Not talent, not being born the right color. Discipline. Can you get your ass up and do what you're supposed to do without complaining? Suck it up. Work out when it's cold. Work out when it's raining. Do what you got to do. Record when the video drops, when the bandwidth is low, when the audio is crap. Can you still put that out there? If you can do that, yes, you'll be just fine. Mm. I've always wondered, like, what makes the difference between someone who has that discipline and someone who doesn't have it? Like, can they create it if, like, right now they don't feel that discipline? Or Ooh, what a great question. You absolutely can create discipline. Mel Robbins has a good book about this called The Five Second Rule. She's a rock star, by the way. Between Mel Robbins and Sheryl Sandberg, I'm I'm so super huge on women's rights, but Mel Robbins, Sheryl Sandberg, these two women are doing business better than men for sure. You can just count to five and do something without thinking. Before your subconscious mind tells you don't do it, do it. That's your discipline right there. However, if that doesn't work for you, discipline is about taking pain. If you don't have the courage to be embarrassed, to take two years off and look stupid, to run out there, do a podcast that people say, I can, Sophia, I think you should do it this way. I didn't like it. I didn't like Antonio. I, I just didn't like it. If you don't have that courage to go through that pain of putting your best effort forward and people hating you for putting your best effort forward, you're not going to have discipline because discipline is mostly about having the pain or the strength to endure the pain when you thought people were going to say good job and they did not. If you can delay your gratification to where no one's going to see it but you, that is discipline. You will be successful. Mm, I love Mel Robbins. I read her book. <laughs> she's like, awesome. <laughs> I, I think four years ago, I was like, she is so awesome. Yeah, she's her. awesome. <laughs> And I'm wondering if you were to give a give out some of your favorite manifestation tips that have worked Fair. the best for you, what would those tips be? Yeah, moving forward, solve all problems. That's number one. That's the first one that comes to mind. Because Newton's first law of Moses says an object at rest will remain at rest until an unbalanced force acts upon it. So if you inverse that, it's the same law. But if you say, so an object at rest, I mean, an object in motion will remain in motion as long as an unbalanced force is upon it. So let's take your podcast. If people listen to your podcast every day, 
That's the unbalanced force pushing them. And if they're moving, then your podcast will continue to push them and they cannot fail. If you keep moving forward, this universe will fold like water to give you whatever you desire. You can be dumb. It will still fold because the universe never, ever lets anybody down moving forward. The universe wants to be alive. And if you have the fortitude to move forward and be alive, the universe will be alive in your sphere of influence. That's my number one tip of manifestation because it doesn't take talent to move forward. Number two, be faithful over the few. I'll make you rulers over many. Now, that is a scripture, but I don't mean a quote of scripture. I mean to quote this philosophy that every last one of you have everything you need to be successful. You may not think it's everything you need, but if all you have is a towel and you live in Southeast Texas like me, this is what I would do. I would wash this towel and then I would freeze this towel. I would wet this towel and I would freeze it in the freezer. I'm making this up on the spot. Then I would go outside because it's 99 and a half billion degrees outside in Texas right now. And I would sell this towel for a dollar frozen. Then I would go to Walmart or Target and I would go buy six more towels. And then I would go, <laughs> right? And I would go do that. Now I got $6 and I would just double that over and over. Be faithful to whatever you have in your life. If you cannot be faithful, then you would not be a ruler over many. If you can't move forward, you would not do that. And lastly, move before you are ready. You're never going to be ready. I wasn't ready for this podcast. My imposter syndrome kicked in on this podcast. I am the damn man and my imposter syndrome kicked in on this podcast. You're never going to be ready. Do it anyway, because doers always get blessed. Thinkers, they work for doers. Mm, yeah. Wow. I was not expecting the towel example. But such a- <laughs> I just made it up. I just made I it up. like, you are... <laughs> You know what I love about that is like literally you just came up with something within like five seconds. I'm like, I'm just going to go sell that today. That's it. It was sitting right in front of me. So I picked it up. That's so funny. Have you always had that creativity? Like, always. Just, always. <laughs> always. When you grow up homeless and you got to eat, right? You know, I wasn't born with it. Nate Nurture gave it to me with my circumstances. So I had to learn how to sell anything to eat, right? So I could, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and what are some principles you think of being able to sell anything? Well, you got to, you have to not be, you know, a used car salesman with this, right? You have to, if you give people what they want, want and don't try to manipulate them they will always follow you if you try to manipulate people aren't stupid people bs radars are high if you're trying if i haven't tried to sell myself one time on this podcast people know who real people are and if you are a real person people will buy from you just because they like you right just period point blank They'll just buy for you just because they like you. The second thing, well, actually, I'll give you a five-step how to sell anything to anybody anywhere. Number one, find your congregation. That means 
find who uh, let's go back to this tile again since I made it up somewhere people want this tile they're not they're not Inuit people that that's the Eskimo the Eskimo is a racial well almost a racial slur right so Inuit people you know what I'm saying that don't want this tile it's too damn cold out there but people in Texas want this tile or someone just played basketball want this tile or someone who wants to take a shower wants this tile somebody wants this tile go find those people they want this tile once you find them then what you want to do is you say, hey, Tao Tonio, right? I just made up a name now. My name with Tao, Tao Tonio. Tell me about this towel. What would you like with this towel? And they're going to say, well, you know what? I wish this towel had this. And that's when you go read the one and two star reviews of my towel company and you go build a better towel or you'd have a better salesperson with the towel because of the one and two stars reviews. And then you then jump in front of me before I can think of building my towel solution. You sell me my towel solution. <laughs> and then after that, you do it again. Right? <laughs> there it is. There's nothing hard about sales. We just don't like them. It's fair because people like me, charismatic people like me use people. If you don't have good if you don't have good good character, then you know you're you're, a, you're an asshole, and you need to like just sit uh, sit to the side. I'll go, just go deal with other people who like being manipulated. But for the rest of the nice people out there, just don't sell to them. Go sell to somebody else who wants to be manipulated. Mm. And what's something you do every day that's a non-negotiable for you? Uh, well, great. Forgive. Every day, I get up. I am, there's a book called Coded Extraordinary Mind, and in chapter 90 calls it unfwittable. He doesn't say unfwittable. He says the whole word, you know, like unbluckwittable. You, you, you can use your imagination to what the word is, right? And it's forgiveness. Every day I get up, I forgive everything that I'm holding in my head and everything anybody might do to me later. I have no idea. I have no idea what someone's going to do to me tomorrow, but I've already forgiven them. It's non-negotiable for me because holding on to your BS will never, ever make me prosperous. So when I forgive you, forget, I'm not just, I'm not just releasing your power over me. That's not my point. My point is, if I don't forgive you, I forfeit my dreams and I'm not willing to hate you so much at the cost of my dreams. I'm not willing to do it. That's non-negotiable for me. Forget all that smart stuff. That heart stuff will make you wealthy. All this head knowledge, everybody got that. That heart knowledge, most people don't have that. Heart knowledge will make you far more successful than head knowledge every day, any day. I love that. No one's brought that up. No one's brought oh. up that I forgive every day. And that's like all right, one dear. of the best answers I've heard. I was like, oh, <laughs> reminder. It's like, who have I not forgotten or not forgiven yet? <laughs> I need to forgive. <laughs> See, there's a phrase. I knew this episode was going to be good. There you go. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. Such a good thing to ask yourself about every day. And I have a final question for you. If you were Ooh. to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would Fair you want to tell him? Don't date. Don't do it, Antonio. Keep your wee-wee in your pants. Do not date until you're 35.
life. Don't do it. You do not have your shit together. Don't date whatsoever. Just stop it. That's what I would tell myself. Forget. I want my first, my first, my second mind. The thing I wanted to sound smart with Sophia say was relax. But no, forget that. Don't date. You are a shit show and you are really going to cost yourself a lot of money. You're going to take this woman down with you or man, depending on your preference. You're going to do everything bad. And you know what? You just don't have time to date. Build, have it prosper, have income producing assets, and then you can date whoever you want. Do not date 20 year old Antonio. Don't do it at all. Just Rub one off and then do what you gotta do and go to your 30s. That's my advice. <laughs> That's a good answer. I was listening to like I was listening to this video that other day and it's called like Before the Person. And it's like it has all the layers of foundation and like finances, it's a huge one. But it's funny because we try to do these relationships and we don't even have the foundation for the relationship. <laughs> there it is, Dan. <laughs> So everyone have the foundation for the relationship. Please, please. You're screwing yourself if you don't. <laughs> and then we'll all be happier. So. I'll be happier because you about to kill. You see somebody about to kill you because you dating too early. Now you got to die because you done hurt this girl feelings. Now, now she stand, she stand over you while you sleep with a pillow in her head thinking about smothering you to death because what you do, what's in your phone. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> talking to you today. I appreciate you. <laughs> I act like this all the time too, by the way. <laughs> it was so good. And where, where can we find you? Where can we stalk you? Where can we connect with you? Yeah, fair enough. The best way to connect with me, I mean, I'm on Facebook and stuff, but I actually have a phone just dedicated to anybody who want to reach out to me. I try, since I want to change the world, I try to make myself as accessible as possible. It's plus one in America. And then 409 I won't try to say you anything. You can ask any question you want. Text, please, for the love of God, please text me. Do not call me. This is not 1980. Just please text me. I know I sound like an extrovert. I promise you I'm an introvert. I learned these interviewing skills. People drain me. Please text me. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.